Hello and welcome to the Wide Debate with Mike Martin and Callum Roy. Hello. How are you doing welcome. this week? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thank you. Pretty good. How are so you? This, this week we're not hitting a question. I mean, we're not hitting a book, which nope. is cool. Um, means less work for us. This week we had a question <laughs> which I will put on screen. Why does food come for us? Yeah. Thought this would be a good question for this week. Uh, Mike, because I know that you're uh, currently changing up your your regular food intake i think you mentioned it on the I last thought podcast you were gonna say i know that you're a fat motherfucker then mm. I really thought I mean, you, you know me well and <laughs> if you know me then calling you a fat motherfucker is definitely the first thing i'm gonna do <laughs> i just thought that's what would have been the next word um <laughs> you really you have that low opinion of me that you think no it's not a low opinion you think i'm that funny that i would call you a fat motherfucker <laughs> I thought I thought you, you was gaining a sense of humor. Mm, but nope, still a robot. I can take it, you know. I can take I can take it. I can I can yeah. I can handle the love handle jokes, <laughs> as they say. So the question, I think the question was wrong. Okay, I'll explain to you why I think the question was wrong after we've. So what was your, what was your first like in, in one sentence? What was your first opinion of this question before we started to research it and look into it? Why does right, my my why does food comfort the first thing that came to my mind i thought um i think we seek out comfort food which is high in fats carbs sugar all the kind of bad stuff um because they would have been prized uh, resources by our ancestors because of their like importance to our survival um so I, I think that we're programmed to look for those markers uh like high in fat and carbs and sugars and stuff um, because in food today, even though we're not in survival mode, um, uh, because when we were stressed or cold or sick in the past, the survival element of our brain would have engaged, which it still does because our brains are ancient tech. So you've got a creative writing degree, yeah? I do. So I say in one sentence, <laughs> and, and that's what we get. Uh, right. But you have really thought about it. Is that really the first thing that came to your mind? Yeah, pretty See, much. I've written one sentence, but All we right. should really not have one sentence. We probably should have a few a few sentences. Yours was much better. I put because we are junkies at heart, and we okay. get sugars, so it feels good to eat them. That was it. Junkies at heart. Yeah, we're like a, junkie, you know, a, a junkie. A junkie. The word a junkie is like a drug addict. We're, we're kind of. We, yeah. That's why alcohol is so fucking popular, right? Because the government say this isn't a drug like everything else that you stick in your fucking body that you're not allowed that you're not paying tax on. Mm -hmm. This one, you pay tax on it. This isn't a drug. This is acceptable. So everyone's fucking pissed off all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And even more controversially, if we're talking about government controlling what you can and can't put in your body, um, have a look at the, uh, we have a raging, well, we don't because Britain, but in the US, there was a raging abortion debate. And one side is very clearly saying it's my body, so I can choose what I want to do with it. And lots of people agree with that. I also agree with that uh, to to a, a certain extent. What and, do you agree with? Um, Sorry, that you should or you shouldn't. But kid. Um, well, yeah. I mean, we we could get into. We we're going to get off track. We're going to get really off track. <laughs> um, I think there's a there's a nuance there, right? But my point I was making is that um, is that the government's really like you know, oh, don't put drugs in your body, and then as soon as it's like. In, when it's the other side of the debate, it's like, well, it's my body. I can do what I want. And the government agrees with that and says that abortion is legal because of that. 
So it doesn't okay. make any sense. You see what I mean? I'm trying to point it out that it's like hypocrisy. It's like, yeah, if I want to smoke spliff, it's like, oh, <laughs> you can't put that in your body. Like, I can do what the fuck I want. It's my body. You don't have to live in this shit. Yeah. In fact, there there goes back to that saying. Um, if you don't look after your body, where are you going to live? It's my favorite exactly. saying. It's stuck with me since the one thing I think the book was. And it's fucking mm-hmm. my favorite saying in the world now. And it, it's kept me motivated to fuck to, to train every single day seven days a week for at least an hour i've even changed my expensive watch for an apple watch mm. i know all of my notoriously cheap apple watch <laughs> no i've had it for years but I, I i took it out of the drawer and put it on um yeah yeah i've, so... I've also got a fit watch in my drawer <laughs> i think people have fit watches in their drawer so the question why does food come for us yes i believe that the question should have been not why does some food come for us, but why does bad food come for us? Because actual okay. comfort foods, you don't see anybody eating uh, blueberries as a comfort food mm-hmm. or, or chicken breast as a comfort food. Ch- chicken, chicken, KFC chicken, yeah, long. But as soon as you start mm. giving them chicken breast, they're like, now nah, I'm full. After I've had a chicken breast, I'm fucking full. Give me two, maybe even three if you're a proper greedy bastard and you want loads of protein. But still, you're not going to use it as a comfort food. You're not going to sit there biting chicken breast, watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of get it because I've always struggled with weight. And I've always struggled with weight potentially through my own fault, not necessarily DNA or genetics, and my own understanding. Because this got me, when studying it, got me looking into things called macronutrients um, and understanding the difference between how much protein and how much fat and how much carbohydrates you're taking into your body. And it's like a scale. And as the protein levels go up, so should the fat levels, which potentially in what I've been looking at will reduce the amount of carbohydrates that's going in your body, which will enable your body to to, to burn fat better. Um, another thing that I was looking into was explaining that about it, it, don't reduce the amount of calories you're taking in your body. Um, and I know we're going off subject a little bit, but don't reduce the amount of calories you're taking into your body. Instead, increase the amount of activity you're doing and increase the amount of protein you're taking into your body at the same time, which will slightly reduce maybe reduce the fats depends on how healthy you're eating and it will reduce the amount of carbohydrates that's going into your body and then your body won't go into starvation mode instead what your body will do is start burning the calories that you're eating because you're doing the exercise on top of and you're eating the right type of food because it's more difficult for your body to burn the proteins or to to what do they call it digest the proteins so because it's spending longer digesting the food your body doesn't automatically like with sugar it goes into your body and it instantly takes it all in. It's like, bam, we've got a load of this shit. And then it's yeah. gone again. And because it's gone again, it's like, fuck, we better keep hold of everything we can because it's in and it's out. Whereas with proteins, you eat protein and it's like, okay, it's, it's, it takes hours and hours and hours. Slow and hours. release. Yes. Like casein protein is a protein okay. you can buy if you're buying protein powders. If you're going to sleep at night, if you train at night, um, it's a good thing to take casein protein because then you can have a protein after you've done a workout and it will actually slow release throughout the night, which means your body's getting the proteins and everything it needs, which apparently increases your metabolism. I don't know if I'm talking shit on that, but this is some of the stuff I've been reading. I proper went down the rabbit hole on this one. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think it's one of those topics, isn't it? Like, especially the topic of food and comfort eating, emotional eating, stuff like that. I think there's a lot of conflicting evidence. Yeah, because everyone's got a one of them things where they're trying to make you do what they want yeah like yeah everyone's trying to sell something but also it's like there's a little bit of politics involved so it's like quite you know i was reading a couple of these articles and part of me is like 
are they not saying you know your your opinion like yeah we're just we're just junkies it's just what we're in you know we're into like being hi highly addicted to stuff um and part of me is like you know maybe if that was the truth they just wouldn't say it because they're just trying to be nice a lot of the guys who did the early on research into fat, into diet, into the types of carbohydrates, proteins, and and and, and things that you should be eating, um, they stated certain things in their research, and then they had to stick by it. Um, so what you said about it becoming a it, it started off being a health debate, uh, not a health yeah. debate, but people were doing it to figure out whether they were whether it was to keep people healthy, and over the years it became more of a political thing now some of the guys that first did a lot of this stuff ended up releasing all sorts of different things and the people who first stated that carbohydrates weren't forcing your body to retain uh, water or retain uh, fats and things like that uh, when they said it was healthy not i couldn't find much that said that the very first time it was done it was funded by the food industries but because they've realized well, the power of the marketing they've then started to fund this type of uh, these type of things going forward. The thing is, you can't do that kind of research for free, can you? And if you look at the people that would be most interested, the food in industries would be the most interested parties, and they happen to have money. So it would make sense that they're funding the that's early research. Amazing research that's been thrown away because it didn't fit the narrative. Yes, I bet there's research done every day that's, that's like that. It's, it's kind of messed up, especially when people, you know, we got used to the saying, trust the science recently. And it was like, yeah, which science? Um, it was, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. Yeah, you need somebody who's, who's, who's a billionaire that says, I'm going to do all this research for free because I can afford to. But then he really is never going to do yeah, it but, he's but, on a yacht getting shit but faced. Also, yeah, but also do they have an agenda too? Like at the end of the day, like they have like, you know, things that are going to motivate them, whether it's popularity or power or status or something like that that's making them want to do that so maybe who knows like the same copyright no one gives a shit about you nobody gives a shit about everybody um so i've got a list i've got a list of what and a list of why that i actually wrote okay down. okay um, but i think the why is the ones that we should focus on because why does food comfort us so i've got a list of answers to the why that food com comforts us but i also have a list of what we tend to do and, and and we might touch on that later um so one of the great ones the ones that stood out to me because i was looking at a lot of macronutrients and stuff like that okay but mm -hmm. consuming carbohydrates boost serotonin okay production i a, a neurotransmitter responsible for feeling of well of well-being and happiness yes but but what it didn't say is that that is very short-lived and it will force you to then keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and turn you into a big fat bastard. It can definitely do that. Yeah, my, mine definitely talked about habit building as well. Um, <clears throat> um, but yeah, talking about serotonin, why would we be, why would serotonin, our feel-good hormone, be produced um, from eating crap food or food that might not be... Um, very good for us now you know um survival i think yeah i think that's an interesting one so uh, food is probably along with like social bonding the most biologically common reward in the animal kingdom i think you think of an another reward that you get that you get like social bonding and food i think those are the two most biologically common rewards that 
you get for doing anything in the animal kingdom. Yeah, maybe, yeah. We don't look yeah. at it like that because we've been trained to think that every all the other bullshit that we've got, like the expensive clothes and watches and cars and houses are important, but they're actually not. Yeah, you at the base level. With your kids, is, missus, yeah. or your husband, and then, yeah, you eat. I think those things of like, I think the um, stuff you mentioned, like the material stuff, I think that's hijacked our already programmed brain it's like taken the reins and kind of steered it in that direction because it's making us think that those things achieve you know the food thing there's a lot of like hoarding tendencies and like scarcity used yeah. in marketing definitely comes from the scarcity of resources whether that be food or water um and... i wrote down childhood associations right which is yes i'm and about I'm... to get onto that and i'm interested about what you're going to say well, I put foods associated with positive memories from childhood can evoke feelings of safety and love, right? So we never used to have much food in the cupboards when we were kids, right? Mm -hmm. So what we used to do is we would sneak down and get bread and have sugar butties, right? And uh -huh. if, if we had butter in the fridge, we'd put loads of butter on it and then we'd eat sugar butties, right? Which is fucking disgusting, right? Then years Sounds later... <laughs> yeah, right. But then years later... Um, probably in my early 20s, I'm like, oh, I remember when we used to have sugar butties when we were kids, right? And we ate it because there was nothing else in the house, but because it was sugar, it was like crunched through it and it's fucking disgusting. Um, mm -hmm. So in my 20s, I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what it's like. So I got two pieces of bread, loads of butter on it, put sugar on it. Oh, <laughs> it's fucking disgusting. And the memory was ruined. But I used to have this amazing oh. memory of, of these sugar butties. I mean, when we were kids, we'd, we'd go down and put a, spoon, a teaspoon in the sugar and, 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 and eat a mouthful of it simply because we had no sweets in the house. Uh, but that gave me a positive memory of eating sugar. Um, mm -hmm. And these sugar butties that I thought were, be, were like the nicest thing in the world. I, I probably said to people, oh, have you ever tried sugar butties? They're well nice. But then as soon as you redo it, it's like, ah, oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. It does give you those, those uh, childhood associations. It, 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 it does. And it hits like a few markers that I was going to talk about in a minute, especially when you talked about like crunching through the sugar. Um, so another thing I found out um, talking about childhood is like why I was thinking, I kept asking myself why over and over again for all of this stuff. Cause a lot of it was like, yeah, this is what happens. And I'm like, yeah, I know that might be what happens, but I, I want to know why it happens. You know, yeah. um, I don't know if that's a problem that you had with this particular yeah. topic, but I had like, I know it gets into like, um, uh, like neurochemicals and stuff like that. And oh, I don't really know what I'm talking about with hormones. I have a very cursory understanding, but uh, it says, I was thinking, why is it childhood memories? Why is it like a lot of this is involved around childhood, right? And I was like, well, actually think about the first thing that you, the first food you ever have. Um, we're literally, we learn to associate food and comfort from day one um, because we, we, as a species, nurse from our mothers usually. We are breastfed. So, being comforted like physically comforted and and getting food is like they they're intertwined from like the very beginning um so it doesn't that that's a good reason why in the future you feel you start to feel good and like comforted when you eat you know when, when you eat food that you like um and a lot of it is related to childhood food um so we associate it with um social bonding um Comfort food often reminds us of home. It reminds us of our mothers or our loved ones, people that we miss as well. It's quite common. Um, I, 
that kind of came up from a lot of the studies that they did on comfort eating is that those are the sort of markers that it hits. Um, I actually knew someone that hated eating alone. Like they, yeah. they, they couldn't eat alone. They really hated it. Like they would take their food, go out into public, sit in public and eat their food because they just hated it. I wish that alone. was me. It made me feel depressed. My big, one of my big habits is I'll grab a bag of crisps, you know, the big ones. And mm-hmm. if I've got a movie on at night, I might sit, sit, sit on the bed or on the couch or somewhere, put it on. And because I don't drink anymore as well, and I don't smoke anymore. Smoking, I was so thin when I smoked, right? Um, and apparently nicotine increases testosterone. Did you, have you heard that? I've heard some interesting stuff about nicotine. I know that smoking in general is kind of just bad for your lungs, but uh, nicotine um, mm. lozenges, I've heard are actually, the, the studies say that they're not bad for you. You you mentioned a minute ago about the hormones and all the rest of it. Actually, after studying this, I actually bought this book. I don't know if you can see it. Let me take the uh, banner off. Hey, uh, est- estro estro generation. Yeah. How e- um, estrogenetics are making you fat, sick, and infertile. Now, I, I think this might actually have something to do with. Uh, and I've not gone into it yet. I've not started reading it yet to do with the types of foods that we're eating that are causing people to get fat and sick. And, and, and if you eat certain foods that increase testosterone instead of eating certain foods that increase estrogen, maybe we can re- reverse the um, the no longer as, as powerful male hormone thing. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a book that I bought because of what it says about the um, – but because of what I was looking in when I was looking into this about how food affects your hormones um, and how a lot of us are getting fat and sick and, and cancers and um, men with high estrogen and low testosterone and stuff like that is all to do with the food. And if we all just ate fruit and meat, um, that we would potentially all have high testosterone um, and all be much healthier and all have a lot less um, inflammation in our bodies. Yeah. Apparently. That's interesting. Yeah, I've definitely heard I heard stuff about like, you know, like eating meat, like eating more meat increases your testosterone. But I, I didn't know how much of that was bro science. I, I didn't really look into it. Um, but, but then again, if you, it, it depends sounds, as well. If the cows are being stuffed with all sorts of fucking things. Antibiotics make, and shit. Not mainly steroids to make them big. Yeah. Then you, that's also going to increase the estrogen in anyone who eats it. So basically, but I've not read the book yet, which is it's seven hour um i'm just looking at yeah it's a seven hour uh, thingy i'll probably listen to that after i finish that uh good calories bad calories cool you're gonna um, be like a yeah interesting. Like the go-to for this kind of it, stuff it really started to interest me right so another thing you said this at the beginning right historically mm-hmm. high um high calorie foods were essential for survival making us um evolutionarily predisposed predisposed you got it to find them comforting because basically like you said about the survival mechanism if you find fruit you'd fucking sit there and you'd be eating as much as you could as you possibly could off a tree looking around for lions thinking these motherfuckers are gonna catch me or i'm gonna get away with sitting here eating yeah um, so that was a good one yeah and you'd, you'd want to like spend as much time around that food source as you possibly could um because obviously there's there's um long periods of scarcity in our history like most of human history we were hungry so you have to think about like human beings have been probably not been hungry. Hunger was, we, we defeated hunger. I know this is kind of a ridiculous statement because a lot, large parts of the world are in poverty and hungry every day, but still as a more people are dying of obesity than they are of, um, of obesity related mortality causes yep. than 
um, starvation now. So I think we can safely say that hunger has been kind of defeated and uh, it's only been defeated for <laughs> not a very long time, really. Like, yeah, well, but Do you not think years. we're eating poison? Yeah. So we've defeated hunger, but at what cost? Because um, a lot of people, even though um, people who don't have a lot of money now can perhaps afford food, the food that they can afford is probably not very nu nutritiously dense and is yep. stuffed full of chemicals and shit, and especially in countries where they don't have food regulations um, to, to stop that kind of stuff, you end up with like the people who are most the most stressed because they're under the most economic stress. And they're, as we're going to talk about, comfort food. You eat comfort food when you're stressed, usually, when you're, um, well, <laughs> when you're really hungry, <laughs> also true, but hunger and stress kind of go hand in hand. Um, and when you're tired, when you're sick, when you're cold, like these kind of things. And that is, you know, the most, the people who are struggling economically the most are going to have are going to want to select these foods the most, I guess, because they're the most stressed. So you end up with this horrible thing where they end up getting health problems for the shit food that they're being fed because it's all they can afford. And like healthy food you isn't think that, though, affordable. You think that's true? Because I think, right, even if I had a hundred million in the bank, yeah, mm -hmm. I would still prefer to pick up a bag of crisps, which is potato chips in the States, than go and have a chicken salad. Yeah. Not because I'm being forced into it, because I just prefer to eat it. It just tastes nicer. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, um, you're not being... We eat comfort food out of... Uh, out of because of stress. Do so we? if you're... Yes. But I... I, I, I so, so I've struggled with weight, but I've not... It's one of the reasons. I've not been eating food because I'm stressed. I've just been eating food out of habit, out of out of out of a bad habit of yeah, you sit down and you pick up popcorn or, but I'm not popcorn. I'm more of a crisps person, me. Like I just and and I find it's not because of stress, it's just because I like them. Yeah. Well that's like food. I mean, do you not? Yeah, I mean it's one it's one of the things. So the food the when they did the studies, the food that is most commonly uh used as comfort food, but it's important to remember, I found this out, that apparently comfort food can be vegetables. It doesn't have to be uh, like super high fat, high carb and high sugar. It I used to eat a lot of nuts as well. Yeah, they're nuts. very high fat, aren't they? Very high fat and high calorie, but they are almost, they're kind of a fruit, aren't they? I mean a vegetable. I guess that's, that's yeah, fruit. <laughs> a fruit and nut. Yeah, they're almost a vegetable, though, aren't they, if you think about it? They're literally seeds, which can come from, like, you buy them... I forgot what they call edamame or some of the called Ed edamame or yeah edamame, edamame yeah edamame. and they're like green things and you can just pop them open and eat a little piece of seed they're lovely yeah they're banging may not yeah. soy are they? yeah I think so but uh, yeah it's uh it's interesting because I think they're really Moorish aren't they and I think they're Moorish because of that like high uh that's all high fat it says the calories. Science, the science behind the stress response. During stress, the body craves quick energy, mm -hmm. leading to cravings for sugar and fat. So you don't crave protein when you're stressed simply because your body is craving fast energy and you get the quickest energy from sugar and from fat or, or those types of things, not from, from, from a high protein, which is slow release. Yeah. Um, but the... But 
com- comfort food, interestingly enough, apparently can be um, like healthy food. Um, a nutrient dense food. It doesn't have to just be really unhealthy stuff, um, but it normally does tend to be unhealthy. Um, uh, but it does. It varies from different person. But one of the things that is most the markers that it hits almost every time is that it usually has a, a strong smell mm-hmm. that the people are obviously can find very pleasant. Um, the taste is obviously extremely important. It has to be very tasty. And uh, like like celery, for example, probably wouldn't be something that people have often as a comfort food. Because, as well, it? Like it yeah. doesn't it doesn't smell great, and its taste is it just kind of tastes like water. Um, but the texture is also really important. So that I thought it was interesting what you said that when you were a kid, like your comfort food was these um, sugar butties, and yes. um, that's interesting because of the the texture of the sugar. You said you specifically said like the crunch something that you remembered and uh yeah texture is super important and apparently like hitting as many senses as possible is quite important for comfort food is it true that we Uh, only have two different flavors sweet and sour on our tongues is that true and another thing that i came across right another (laughs) thing that i came across was if you block your nose Uh completely block your nose and eat the types of foods that you really like you won't be able to taste them properly yeah, your most of your tasting is done through your nose. I think, like a huge amount of your tasting is done through your nose, which I thought I was could... absolutely nuts because I was like, "What well, the fuck? How the fuck?" Yeah. Can... My my when my dad got COVID, he lost his sense of smell, and it still hasn't really come back. But when it came back, it came back wrong. So now he just he has phantom smells, which means he smells like uh, wood smoke and like burning rubber and stuff just randomly he'll say to me like is can you smell smoke is there wood smoke and i'm like no mate and he's like oh (laughs) he's just like a phantom smell like something is just triggering the smell of wood smoke in his brain um and the other thing that happens is a lot of the tastes he had for food and the smells related to those foods inverted so um uh what was it coffee was it smelt like aftershave like really strong aftershave or something and he he just couldn't touch coffee for like months because he it tasted it, it smelled like aftershave and he was like i just can't drink it wow and yeah and um yeah it's pretty bad and like when my dog like i've got an old dog and when he drops like an absolutely savage fart like everyone's like run and my dad's there, like it literally smells like and he'll tell you what it smells like it smells like something completely different yeah, I will like, have a dog. It smells like rich mahogany. <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Every time you smell a dog's fart, you're getting particles of shit in your nose. And then when, as soon as you oh. think of it like that, it's like, I ain't fucking having oh. a dog in there. I don't man. want dog shit on my nose, man. Yeah, but you do every time your dog farts in your mouth. Yeah. So also, it's not anything farts, I guess, when you think about it. One of the things I came across regarding it was cultural conditioning. So basically, yeah. Um, depends where you're from in the world and and what your religion is and what types of food that your your culture generally eats so people are like i can't help it i have to eat these crisps or i have to eat. like one of mine when i was drinking was nachos and cheese like, i'd love a mm-hmm. bowl of nachos with cheese but i'd layer it and it'd be dead nice um and and it made me feel like shit the next day but i always liked nachos and cheese um and it was kind of a thing but it kind of it's a cultural thing you would probably never get that in populations where where like, like i would imagine i don't know it's in, not, yeah india tend to eat a lot of curries and things like that so i would imagine their crave foods would be those little mad cake things that they make and stuff like that. i don't i don't know 
but it was cultural conditioning is to basically you crave it because you become used to it and you, and and it's that historic memory again so you crave it because you yeah. remember you remember more the smell and the taste um and i was watching one um a show i can't remember who it was and somebody who says it's so nice to it feels so good to eat something that you really enjoy for five minutes and then it's so bad <laughs> Yeah, for five years, <laughs> because it's like okay, well, you've just ate all that shit, and it's put like a two pound on, but that two pound might take you three, four, five weeks of hard work to lose. When you think of the pleasure over the, and and I guess that's yeah. where the other test that they did, where they, they they basically got a lot of food and they put it in front of children, and said to the mm-hmm. kids, um, if you wait till I come back, you'll get two. Yeah, so they give them like a sweet marshmallow or whatever it was, and put it on the table in front of them. And apparently, they was all laughing and taking the piss out of these kids because they're pulling their own hair and the skin, and they're looking at the covering their eyes and all this stuff to not eat this marshmallow. Um, and the ones that didn't eat the marshmallow and waited so they could get the delayed gratification, um, they tracked them twenty years into the future, into into their lives. And the ones that had taken the sweet straight away, turns out they'd been less successful in life because they naturally didn't teach themselves delayed gratification cameron the other day right it was his birthday um three days ago on the fifth and he was in school and it's like so he, he woke up in the morning there was tons of presents all over the couch for him he gets up he opens about i don't know five or six presents and he says right i'm gonna move the rest into my bedroom and i'll open them when i get on i was like mate you got up early enough why don't you not open him now he said um i was he said i was reading some and i'm trying to teach myself delayed gratification and i was like <laughs> so much better than me <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude it's all those uh stoicism books he was reading yes he's maybe like... yeah but he's trying to teach himself this. so another That's one i kept coming up with was nostalgia yeah but i don't quite understand the word nostalgia so it says but it can transport you to different places and stuff like that but i don't kind of get that the... um so like nostalgia so it's a strange thing to i i was uh one of the questions that i thought would be good for the wide boat actually was uh why do we feel nostalgia um i don't have any answers yet but i might do it in the future um but nostalgia it's like a, a, a sensation that we feel when we're we have like a very powerful memory that is that is created by like a sensory moment so either smelling something that you're like the i always go back to yeah, it's like a sensory deja vu. Okay, got it. That um, makes it's sense. like that's how I kind of think about it. It's like uh, my dad used to drive me to school in the mornings because he worked um, shifts, and I, on my first day of my secondary school, I was obviously very nervous. And for the first like few weeks, he was driving me in his in his uh, car. I can't remember what car it was now, but um, then his shift pattern changed, and he wasn't able to take me to school anymore. And I got into his car, the same car as a, I don't know, I I finished school. I was probably in university at the time. And I sat in his car and I was instantly transported back to my um, previous, you know, like into into the past because of the smell of the interior of his car, the the way the seat smelled. It honestly was crazy. And normally I'd sit in the front if I sat in it. And I guess it was a little bit different. But this time I was sat in the back because I was with my whole family. And I just remember being like, oh, my God, that's such a powerful feeling. And um, yeah, one one of the other things I found that was that um, it it can it can kind of stop you feeling sadness 
So let's yeah, say definitely. let's so, so emotional eating. Um, all right. So so comfort food, we'll call it because that's that's the question. But comfort food. Um, th- this is why in situations where, for example, somebody's married for ten years and they break up from their partner, um, they'll start emotional eating. They'll start comfort eating. Um, and it stops the pain. Apparently, um, the actual. I think it was. Was it? Is it the fat? fat and the sugar that, that, that or is it the fats that stop you feeling that emotional and it actually numbs your senses for a while which i thought was fucking mental because it's like okay well so is it, it's not a drug you're putting in your body but kind of it can have the same reaction well, it's like, kind of like the drug is medicating yeah it's like the drug is already in your body like mm. the chemicals like serotonin and stuff are already in your body and you're like stimulating them by eating i guess uh and i yeah and i think it it probably comes from the survival thing right you're feeling absolutely lousy so you're like well i'll eat as much of this food as i can and then suddenly you feel really good and then the problem is that that compiled with the habit building element of it because all of this stuff is really closely linked to habit building because it's like um action and response you know you've got like i feel sad so my you know the prehistoric parts of my brain say that i need to eat some high calorie food to feel better. So I eat high calorie food. I feel slightly better. And then it just becomes, you know, a thing. and instead of actually treating the cause why you're sad in the first place, it certainly isn't because you're running out of food most of the time in, in the developed world now. So uh, that's, that's the trap that people fall in. That's why people end up getting really overweight. One of, um, one, one of the, the final things I came across was routine and predictability. So basically not, not necessarily. So, so you get into a habit of doing the same thing on a day by day basis. So you come in and it's like, okay, I have my tea, I sit down, I have a glass of wine, I have a bottle of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat a bag of crisp or a bag of nuts or something like that. And people become predictable, but then, when they lose a, 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 so so if you're completely happy with your life and you and you're not actually you're not comfort eating so it's not bad for your health but you are eating a specific way um when you break up with a partner or something and you crave for that previous state that you used to be in mm-hmm. you'll actually find yourself going back to when you used to do the habit and coming and doing it but actually rather than just eating it but gorging on that type of food and causing yourself to actually be sick from the food not out of any other reason than you're trying to numb your senses but be, but you're using previous habits from times when you was um happy yeah and trying to get yourself back to being happy by eating the stuff that you would do back in the day um which i found was 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 mental um that's really like, sad <laughs> that's really whenever i'm eating anything now i I'm, I'm asking myself why am i doing this why am i doing it why am i eating this right is it for this reason well, or this? is it for a health reason if it's not don't fucking do it i think that's like part of the thing if if yeah you know if, if this is one of the reasons that you're you know interested in in a question like why is food come for you because you're struggling with overeating emotionally um that is one thing that it was suggested online for a lot of these articles that i read were was basically um ask yourself why you're doing anything you know ask yourself why you're doing a habit ask yourself why you're eating specifically a certain food or at a certain time of day and also um asking yourself am i hungry that was a big one for me because i think not many people um i no i'm using i'm painting with a broad brush here but not many people feel hungry anymore like they actually just don't feel hungry because they're eating three meals a day they're strategically timed meals so that you don't you know, to, hungry, to curb, yeah. it curbs the onset of hunger. And a lot of the time you're not actually feeling hunger. You're just feeling anticipation for the meal. 
that's coming next. So you're like, this is the time that I'm fed. So it's it's very strange, but that is like that animals do it too. Like my dog is, you know, he always asks to eat at the same time of day. Uh, And gradually that time of, sorry. That's his habit. That's his, just his habit. He just gets up. Yeah, it's his habit. But animals actually comfort eat too. Stressed, stressed animals can eat more calories which i thought was quite interesting but if you're eating the not, right food then not that because we well they do on the wrong shit don't we wild animals exercise a lot more than domestic animals so if a if a um domestic animal is stressed eating then they probably will get fat because unless you're executing uh, exercise not executing them that would be bad exercising them um regularly that's like the key thing that they're not working it off, but wild animals, I guess they don't have as much readily available food either, but like certain types of animals will eat until they die. I don't know if you know that, but puppies. Like, what, do they, do, do puppies? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's true. I just know that I've heard it when I was a kid that if you, if you let a puppy continue eating, it'll just keep eating until it dies. I'm pretty sure it was that. I think, I think a horse, I think horses eat until they die and just horses. Yeah. I think they just eat until they die. You have to like be careful about what you what you put around horses because they will just eat anything. Um, cat like the stable cats are quite. It's a thing that happens occasionally where if a cat if a cat gets maybe the cat's sick or something and it gets stuck in a stable with a horse, I've heard that the horse will kill the cat and eat it. But that could be bullshit. But it sounds pretty fucking wild. <laughs> Uh, I reckon, yeah, I'm looking here. What I'm, I just put it in. Um, will a dog really eat itself to death if given unlimited <laughs> food? So I just put in what animals eat until they die, but I'm not finding <laughs> anywhere. Else. Um, uh, yeah, seven animals that would eat themselves to death. Oh, I hope seven. I'm right with the horses one. Uh, I'll show you now. Can you see that? Let me get. What do we that. got? Uh, no right. Way. So goats, dogs, cats, goldfish, goldfish, fucking hell, goldfish. horses, horses, opossums, and cows. Possums, yeah, the cows. Oh, so, so, so they're not called opossums, like it says on there. I think that the the O is silent. I think it's fucking retarded, that in it. Why the fuck would this? I don't know. I don't know. We we don't have them in the UK. If anyone's wondering, so. That's we don't have all possums in the UK. <laughs> I know there's possums and opossums, and they're very, very similar, but come from different parts of the world. I believe possums are marsupials, which are only found in Australia. Right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, just one second. <laughs> the why debate gets deep on possums. Yeah. No, I'm ju- what I've just done is I've just... Because we lost the question, then it come off the screen, and we need the question up. So now I've changed that, so it's up there. Right. And now we can read it, and we can see it. Boom. But anyway, we don't want to go into possums. Uh, did you find anything else that we've not mentioned? It does. Um, I did find. Uh, so I found out an interesting thing, which is quite cool that I thought might be worth adding, because dopamine is a really important part of this kind of process. Yeah. Um, and dopamine is a neurotransmitter. Um, which is like a chemical messenger, which sends signals around the brain and it operates mostly around the reward centers, I think. So it uh, regulates stuff like motivation, mood, and even motor control, like um, how well and accurately, precisely and accurately you can move. Um, But also like stress hormones, um, like cortisol, I think is a stress hormone. Um, 
love hormones. Yeah, yeah, if you injure yourself as an athlete, they give you a cot, a cot, it might be a cortisone injection. Ignore me, carry on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I've heard that before. Um, but yeah, dopamine is really like intrinsically linked with this kind of stuff because it can, uh, it's all about um energy and energy expenditure for reward is basically what dopamine is measuring all the time and if like bad food is like readily available around you like when you get upset you're more likely to comfort eat but not comfort eat a specific food it's not like you're eating for the nostalgia of like ah oh. like for example my comfort food is lasagna right but it's not just any lasagna it's like my mum's home cooked lasagna it's not one that do you know what I mean? It's it's very it's like specific. It's not something that I would I go home and just eat loads. Yeah. yeah, it's lasagna. And I tell you what, I'm talking about home cooked. I went to a restaurant the other day, and I ordered a lasagna, and it was the worst lasagna I've ever eaten. And it was supposed to be a, it was supposed to be like a fancy Italian place. Yeah, yeah and it don't mean you enjoy it. It, was, it don't mean you like it, dude. It was shit. It had like it had so much liquid in it. It was like lasagna soup. It was like the sauce oh, was just like pure yeah. liquid. I had to eat half of it with a spoon. But what you so said a minute bad. ago about dopamine, I was looking for it as we were talking then and I've not been able to find it right. But I remember we, we read a book, I think we did it on here. I remember yeah. we did a test on rats and what they did is mm-hmm. they figured out how to stop their dopamine receptors. Yeah. And what they did, because rats fucking eat all the time and that's all they do. They basically shag then eat and shag then eat and just breathe like motherfuckers. Not just um, rats. <clears throat> no i was referring to people no but um no but rats basically that that's what they do and what what they did is they did a test where they figured out how to s- suppress the dopamine and these rats stopped fucking stopped eating and literally starved to death just yes. because they had no dopamine to, to receptors and i was like what the fuck and i was just looking for it. i can't find the, the um i can't yeah. find the the thing on here they, but they got them addicted to heroin didn't they Oh, I don't know. I think I think they got the rats addicted to heroin, and then they basically like were like, "Well, let's see if we stop their dopamine receptors if they just keep taking heroin." And they didn't. They didn't do anything. But that's the interesting thing is that would happen in rats, but it ha- would happen in us too. Like low um, low levels of dopamine, people will get Parkinson's disease and stuff from low levels of dopamine, shit like that. But apparently, I heard this kill everyone, right? And they're trying to fucking. Like, like like terrorists that are flying around trying to destroy human nature. And if they just figured out a way to to block people's dopamine, right, on mass scale, they'd kill everybody without killing anybody. What the? Because everyone would just kill themselves. They just sit around. I'm so depressed, man. I'm yeah, I think. Well, I don't even know if they'd be like depressed. I think they would just they would just waste away. They'd just die. Apparently, there was a. a I don't know if this is true. I heard it on a podcast, so I don't know if it's true. Um, but apparently there were these people that were, there was these students and they were trying to synthesize a drug in like the 70s or something. And they accidentally synthesized a, a drug that stopped the production of dopamine. So they took it. And then after that, they could never create dopamine again. So they were basically, they, they'd set a timer on their life that once the dopamine that they had was kind of gone, I guess. Uh, it never came back. So eventually they ended up just sitting on their sofas and just they all just starved to death because Seriously. Were, I guess they dehydrated maybe first. But no, yeah, they had do. We have to have they, some they didn't life. feel thirsty, they didn't feel hungry, they didn't feel anything, they just sat there. They didn't feel any uh, any need to get up because all of that stuff is is um is governed by dopamine, which is very, very interesting, I thought. Been an interesting podcast. Have you got anything it else to has. add as a final thought? Uh, 
yeah, I was going to add a, a final thought, which is um, even though people that are sad or stressed out or um, interestingly restricting their diet, people who are dieting are more likely to comfort eat than people who are not dieting. Quite I've increased my calories now. So my calories, uh, I, I've been dieting forever, as you know. Yeah. I, after doing a lot of the research that I've done, it's a, a, a spe- specifically a, a lot more since we had um, the, the, the vegan on uh, Metali. She, mm-hmm. she was vegan and, and a lot of stuff she was saying, I started to do a lot of research and looking at it. And what, what I found is, yeah, basically, if you increase the amount of protein in your diet, you're not as hungry. Um, but then I was also reducing calories and I thought, so I was at 90, 1800 calories a day at one point. And what I found is actually, if I increase the amount of protein in my diet and slowly increase the amount of calories I eat each day, my body will continue to burn the burn fat and I'll continue to lose weight, but my, it's speeding up my metabolism the way I'm doing it. So I'm now eating between two, two and two, five calories a day to between 2,200 and 2,500 calories a day. And I'm still losing weight regularly every single day. Hmm. And I'm, I'm, and the way I'm doing it, it means that I'll be building muscle, but I'll also be losing fat, but I'll also be increasing the amount of calories I'm eating every single day. And it's quite complicated and, and, and there's no real fun in eat except for steak is fucking lovely. Um, but, but, but I'll slowly get to the point where I'm eating three and even three and a half thousand calories a day. And I will actually have almost zero fat and a lot more muscle because of the way you can actually speed up your your fat burning receptors and your metabolism by doing it the correct way. So what I think what the, the myth of dieting is that the, 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 the more you cut your calories, the more your body goes into starvation, the more your body goes into starvation, the more it holds on to the food that you've got. And yet the more hungry you're going to feel. So you're constantly in this depressed cycle of, Oh my God, I'm starving and I can't think it. Yeah. And the more I've looked into it, and actually read a lot of the books and things. That's why I'm, I'm reading that good, uh, good calories, bad calories. That's why it's what that generation or whatever it's fucking called that I've bought. I've bought various other books that I'm going to be reading, which is um, Outlive is one, which is nothing to do with food. The Big Fat Surprise. Outlive. Um, Outlive does have food in it, I think. Outlive will have food because if you That's eat about longevity. Food, yeah, longevity of life. Yeah. I bought that one yesterday. I've got, I'm going to start Sick. on things. I, I want to read that one too. So maybe we can do that one together and do a podcast about it. I would like to do that because that's one that really, really interests me. And and the stuff I'm finding out is it's not about actually reducing calories. It's about increasing activity to the point where your body, you don't have to kill yourself with workouts, but you have to increase the activity so you can increase the calories, but your body will remain the same. So if you want to eat, if you, if you think, if I eat 1,500 calories a day, I'll continually lose weight. Stay on 2,000 calories a day and instead increase the activity that you're doing and change the, my, my, what are they called? Nutri- macronutrients. Yeah. So that more protein going in to your body and less of the, like like somebody on a whole food diet, like Matali when she was talking to us, if she mm. literally sat on it all fucking day, every single day, fruit and veg all day, to, to eat 2,000 calories in a day would be almost impossible. So she's never going to, yeah. she's never going to go fat, right? No. But, but actual physically strong and 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 from a health perspective a lot of people are saying that that diet's wrong and people who have been vegan for like 10 years unless they're taking supplements and stuff like that end up um malnutritioned yeah yeah i think a lot of that is due to like their um their yeah their, their knowledge of macronutrients and not being able to get the correct amount of macronutrients from the way that they because she wasn't even calling herself a uh vegan anymore she she was saying that she is uh whole food plant-based yeah but she's a vegan to vegan publisher well yeah but she wasn't calling herself a vegan which was quite interesting she said her diet wasn't vegan she was a vegan but her diet wasn't vegan it was whole food plant-based 
This, she doesn't need the vegan bullshit, the, 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 yeah. the processed crap that's getting thrown so, down. Well, that was quite interesting. Um, anyway, so the point I was going to... Yeah, for sure. Fat vegans. Um, they're out there. The uh, the last point I was going to make was um, about a study on, on emotional eating. Apparently, 40% of people um, eat more calories than usual when they're stressed, which, you know, makes sense. That's what we've been talking about, comfort eating. But the same amount of people actually eat less calories when they're stressed. So in some people, um, they oh, just wow. either want, either they don't want to eat, they feel too stressed to eat, which um, I know that, that um, there's a level of stress. Um, your fight or flight, for example, can kill hunger completely, make you just not want to eat. Um, and yeah, also maybe sadness makes you not want to eat too. I remember not feeling any feelings of hunger in some of the more sad times of my life rather than wanting to just binge loads of food. So I think it, it, there is a bit of a nuance. But yeah, apparently 40% of people eat more, 40% eat less, and about 20% just don't really change the amount of calories that they eat. Interesting. Yeah. I'm definitely one that eats more, so I need to stop fucking eating more. Yeah, I, d I definitely, like, yeah, I, I do seek out sort of high-fat, carby, sugary shit when I, um, not when I'm so stressed, when I'm tired. Is your dad That's... fat though? No. And he's a chocolate addict, isn't he? Uh, he likes chocolate. He likes crisps more. Crisp and chocolate, and he's not fat. So some people do have that DNA where you're just never going to get fat. Yeah, he's, yeah, he eats and he, well, yeah, I think it's good uh, genetics because I, I eat like, I eat like a pig and I don't get fat. So. I remember someone saying to me when I worked at HSPC, carry on eating like that and you'll get fat. I was like, I'll never get fat. And then I got fat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty active, so I'm hoping that I can stave it off for as yeah, long as I can. You twice a week, don't you? Yeah, you twice, twice a week. A week. Weight um, training once not, a month, if not if not more. Funny <laughs> 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 yeah, guy. Right, I'll ask you a question then. Have I you was seen... in there this morning? I was working out this morning. So have you seen the new screen? Yeah, in the I've seen the new screen. They were using you? the perv on me. Yeah, it's between the window panes. Okay, okay. I was just checking to see if you'd actually really seen it. Okay, so maybe you would I lie to you? Realize really? Okay, well. It's been a good one. It's been interesting. I found out loads of shit. We will see you guys next week. Yeah. All the best, guys. Oh, wait one second. Oh. See you next week. See you next time. Bye.